You're listening to the RBN Energy Blogcast. This is an audio version of RBN Energy's daily blog, the oil and gas industry's go-to source for insight. Every day, we cover commodity fundamentals, industry changes, and developing trends across energy markets. And now, we're making it easier than ever to enjoy our blogs. Whether it's on your drive into work, while you're at the office, or at home walking the dog, settle in, turn the volume up, and enjoy. Wednesday, March 11, 2020. Steady as she goes, U.S. LNG exports grow in a weakening, highly uncertain market. Published by Bob Tippy. New U.S. liquefaction trains and export terminals have added LNG to an oversupplied global market. International gas prices are at their lowest levels in several years, price spreads between the U.S. and destination markets have collapsed and, to make matters even worse, a coronavirus pandemic threatens to undermine LNG demand growth. U.S. LNG exports nevertheless have been increasing with each new liquefaction train that comes on stream, though mostly because their long-term offtake contracts make cargo liftings relatively insensitive to global prices. The question is, will dear global market conditions somehow undo U.S. LNG production growth? Today, we discuss highlights from our new drill-down report on the future of U.S. LNG exports. U.S. LNG exports have increased rapidly in the past four years. Exports began in early 2016 with the startup of the first liquefaction train at Chenier Energy Sabine Pass Liquefaction, SPL, in southwestern Louisiana. Since then, Sabine Pass has completed four more trains and five other export terminals, some with multiple trains, have come online. They include Dominion Single Train Cove Point Facility in Maryland, two trains each at Chenier's Corpus Christi, Texas, Terminal in Semper's Cameron LNG, also in southwestern Louisiana, two trains at Freeport LNG near Houston, and the first five mini-trains at Elba Liquefaction's terminal in Georgia. Startups in 2019 alone included the Cameron, Corpus Christi, Freeport and Elba projects. U.S. terminal operators exported an average of 5.6 BCF per day during 2019 in the form of LNG. The highest monthly average last year was 7.7 BCF per day in December, and exports continued to climb early in 2020 as still more new trains entered commissioning or commercial operation. And additional U.S. liquefaction capacity is on the way. Projects under construction today will add a total of about 6 BCF per day of capacity by mid-decade, including 1.45 BCF per day of it later this year and another 0.7 BCF per day in 2021. And the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, or FERC, has approved construction of 12 projects on which work has not yet begun, their capacities totaling a further 20 BCF per day or so. Not all those projects will advance past the planning stage soon, if ever, though. Market headwinds have made it harder and harder for projects to reach the regulatory and commercial milestones they need to achieve before they can progress to final investment decisions, or FIDs, and construction. Still, with projects that have already entered service, the U.S. share of global LNG trade exceeded 10% for the first time in 2019. With 93% of their collective liquefaction capacity contracted, first-wave U.S. LNG export facilities came online while Asian demand for LNG was growing rapidly, led by China. The global LNG market has been weakening however, and as of early March 2020 the potential impact of the new coronavirus on the world's economy, and LNG demand with it, remain highly uncertain. In addition to the supply gains from recent additions to liquefaction capacity in the US and Australia, signs of flagging demand appeared last year in the Asia-Pacific, or APAC, region and in Europe, the two biggest LNG importers, even before the coronavirus became front-page news. While gas demand continued to grow in APAC countries in 2019, the pace of growth in China diminished, and nuclear reactor restarts in Japan trimmed demand there. 
in Europe, despite stagnating gas demand, gas imports via LNG and pipelines generally rose in 2019, with native European production continuing its long decline. By October, some European storage facilities reported being full, and a relatively mild winter has done nothing to help turn things around. These regions' respective price indices, Europe's national balancing point, or NBP, and the Japan-Korea marker, or JKM, have tumbled in response. In September and October of 2018, the JKM price exceeded $11 per million BTU, and NBP was above $9 per million BTU. But prices in both regions fell through the winter of 2018 to 2019 and the spring of 2019 as more U.S. liquefaction capacity came online and the market became increasingly oversupplied. Regulatory news that hinted at interrupted supply and strengthened demand in Europe sent the NBP price up in September. But by the year's end, these developments had run their course, the fundamentals of oversupply had reasserted their influence and the coronavirus was making its first appearance in China. As of the second week of March 2020, the NBP and JKM prompts were down to about $2.80 per million BTU and little more than $3 per million BTU, respectively. As the NBP and JKM indices fell during most of 2019 and into 2020, they also converged with each other, and price spreads relative to Henry Hub, the important U.S. marker, tightened. NBP, which had traded at more than $6 per million BTU above Henry Hub in 2018, dropped to just more than $1 per million BTU above Henry in February and early March 2020, while JKM, which carried almost a $9 per million BTU premium to Henry Hub in 2018, came down to only $1.30 per million BTU above Henry. The tightening of international spreads has made the two destinations more competitive and closely tied, with perhaps a slight advantage to Asia, which consumes more LNG than Europe. During the first two and a half months of 2020, the spread of the coronavirus appeared to have slowed in China but increased elsewhere, including in the US, and in early March there still was no certainty about how long the contagion would elude control and how much worse the economic fallout would become. US LNG exports began the year with another increase, nevertheless. A record high 74 vessels departed US terminals in January, the fifth consecutive record-setting month for exported cargoes. Correspondingly, feed gas rates set records too. Feed gas to U.S. liquefaction plants reached a single-day high of 9.3 BCF per day on January 29, and January was the first month ever in which feed gas averaged above 8 BCF per day. With LNG demand sagging, prices plummeting and the future uncertain, some LNG buyers have become resistant to taking cargoes. In late February, China National Offshore Oil Corporation, or CNOOC, attempted to invoke force majeure to refuse some contracted LNG cargoes, but the company negotiated with its suppliers to take contracted shipments immediately and temporarily lower future cargoes. Also in February, Chenier offtaker Naturgy Energy Group, formerly Gas Natural Fenosa or GNF, which holds 5 MMTPA of offtake capacity between Sabine Pass and Corpus Christi, cancelled one cargo for April. In a discussion of fourth-quarter earnings, Chenier confirmed there had been two cargo cancellations without identifying the offtakers, saying they amounted to a relatively insignificant number in relation to the company's total deliveries. Why do U.S. exports of LNG continue to grow despite an oversupplied market with uncertain prospects and the consequent suppression of price? For a number of reasons, offtakers of U.S. LNG find it difficult to respond to short-term price shifts. Most companies, for example, include LNG lifting decisions in annual plans and quarterly updates and cannot easily cancel cargoes to accommodate short-term price fluctuations. An even stronger reason for U.S. exports to grow in a weakening market is that more than 90% of the liquefaction capacity in operation or being commissioned is underpinned by long-term, take-or-pay sales and purchase agreements, or SPAs, 
which obligate off-takers to accept cargoes regardless of international price spreads. Price spreads are important, of course. They along with off-taker type and costs, influence ultimate destinations of LNG cargoes. But contract design contributes much to the durability of U.S. LNG exports. And contracts have long-lasting effects because U.S. LNG developers try to have between two-thirds and three-quarters of capacity secured in long-term SPAs before committing to projects and so far have secured SPAs for most remaining capacity by the time projects come online. Our new drill-down report discusses in depth the two primary models for long-term LNG agreements that have emerged, a traditional tolling agreement and Shinier Energy's hybrid free onboard or FOB structure, as well as how contract designs interact with global price relationships and off-takers' costs to keep U.S. LNG flowing into market and to influence cargo destinations. It also discusses how liquefaction needs and growing baseload power generation requirements have increased the minimum demand for domestically produced gas that's relatively insensitive to price. You can access the new report on the future of U.S. LNG exports by visiting today's blog on our website. Steady Ichigos was written by Jack White and Brendan Benson, and is the lead-off track and debut single from the Raconteur's first album, Broken Boy Soldiers. Released in May 2006, the song went to number one on the Billboard Alternative Songs chart. The Raconteurs are an American rock band from Nashville whose members originally met in Detroit. They have released 12 singles and three studio albums, including Help a Stranger, which was released this past June. They have won one Grammy Award. Jack White, or John Anthony Gillis, is an American singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist and record producer. He has won 12 Grammy Awards, and all three of his solo albums reached number one on the Billboard charts. His initial road to fame came as the singer and guitarist in Detroit garage band duo The White Stripes. He is also a member of The Dead Weather and The Raconteurs, as well as a solo artist and record producer. In addition to his work with The Raconteurs, White released six studio albums, 12 live albums and 26 singles with The White Stripes, three studio albums with The Dead Weather, and three solo albums. He runs Third Man Records in Nashville, and lives in Nashville and Tulsa. He continues to record, produce and tour with various projects. The Raconteurs are currently on tour through this November. This has been the RBN Energy Blogcast. Thanks for listening.